0: Thanks for listening to the Rock Hill Podcast. At Rock Hill, we're all about reaching people with the life-giving and life-changing message of Jesus. Listen in as Pastor Matt Chappell teaches how God's Word applies to our everyday lives. And if you have a Bible today, we're going to be in the New Testament book of Colossians. Colossians chapter number 3. Anybody believing that God has some big things in store for 2019, anybody like that? I want to encourage you to uh, be back next week for Vision Sunday, and I'm excited about sharing what God has laid on my heart for 2019. I believe that God wants to do some miracles in our midst in the new year, and I'm uh, looking forward to that. And uh, Colossians chapter 3, I want to bring a message today that I've just entitled, In With the new. Not simply out with the old, but in with the new. Colossians chapter 3, if you have a Bible, we're going to read these verses this morning. Are you ready today? Let's start reading in verse number 1. The Bible says this, If ye have then been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God set your affection on things above not on things on the earth for ye are dead and your life is hid with christ in god when christ who is our life shall appear then shall ye also appear with him in glory mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth fornication uncleanness inordinate affection evil concupiscence and covetousness which is idolatry For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in which he also walked in some time when he lived in them. But now he also put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. Verse 10. And having put on the new man. Everybody say put on. Put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. Let's have a word of prayer together this morning. Father, thank you so much for this day that you've given us. And God, thank you for this opportunity to come together on this last Sunday of 2018 and to worship your name. There's a lot of places that we could be today, but I believe that this is uh, the greatest place, Lord. And I got I pray that you would uh, speak to us through your word today. Lord, I pray that you would fill me with your spirit. I pray that you would give me the words to say, God, that would uh, sharpen us today, that would help us set the right uh, momentum for 2019. And God, I pray that you would uh, allow us to leave this room differently because of your word and because of the power of these words this morning. And we love you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, How many of you got some new clothes for Christmas? Anybody like that? Got some new articles of clothing? Uh, There's something nice about a a new outfit, right? A fresh outfit. I'm wearing a new shirt this morning that my wife Katie got for me for Christmas. Thank you so much. Best wife ever. Thank you. And uh, uh, I'm so thankful that uh, she got me this brand new shirt. And there's something nice about a new outfit when you're wearing something kind of uh, fresh. And I remember when I was in about third grade, my uncle Gary was getting married, and he asked me to be in the wedding, and I was a little bit nervous about that. He wanted me to be the ring bearer, and he wanted me to kind of be a part of this special day, and I didn't really know what that entailed, and so I was kind of nervous about that until I saw what I was going to be wearing, and uh, I saw that I had a tuxedo uh, to be in the wedding, and I tried that on. I think we even have a picture this morning. I was, I was looking fresh. Come on. Some swag. And I was feeling good about what I was wearing that day. True story, right after I took this picture, my dad came to me and said, Matt, you need to humble yourself right now. <laughs> and, uh, but hey, I couldn't help it. I was feeling good. I had a new outfit on. I was feeling fresh. I was feeling ready to go. And uh, when we come to Colossians chapter number 3 today, Paul, the apostle, is not going to talk to us about what we wear physically. But he is going to use this analogy about clothing, and he's going to talk to us about Uh, uh, our clothing spiritually, what we should put on spiritually, what we should put off spiritually. And he's saying, hey, uh, there are some things that for a Christian, we just shouldn't wear spiritually, some garments that we should not wear and some things that we need to uh, put off. And so he uses this analogy. And I believe that there are so many great truths for us today as we are approaching a new year to kind of evaluate where we are spiritually. What are some things that I want to leave behind in 2018? What are some things that I want to put off? And then what are some things that I need to embrace in this new year? What are some things that I need to put on? And I believe that the book of Colossians can help us in so many ways. The book of Colossians. Uh, is a great book. Really, the book of Colossians in chapter 1 and 2 focuses on the uh, supremacy and the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. The supremacy of Christ means that he is first uh, placed, that he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And then uh, the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. Paul hammers this time and time again. And he's saying, hey, Jesus is all you need. See, uh, in, in the city of Colossae, there was these uh, heretics and these teachers that were saying, hey, the only way that you can really experience salvation is if you find all these hidden secrets and these Uh, ancient books, the Apocrypha's, And if you can find all of this uh, uh, knowledge and information, you can kind of uh, understand really what God is doing. And and, and Paul came in, he said, no, really all you need is wrapped up in Jesus Christ. He is all you need. And he hammers this uh, time and time again throughout the book of Colossians. In Colossians 2 verse 3, he says, in whom are hid all, everybody say all, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Even Peter uh, talked about this in his letter, 2 Peter 1.3. He said, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Can I tell you this morning that God has given us everything that we need in order to live a life of godliness. And as we approach this new year, the world is going to tell you, hey, in 2019, you need uh, more success. And in 2019, 2019, you need more uh, money, and in 2019, you need more time, and you need more followers on Instagram, and more likes on Instagram. But can I tell you this morning that the only thing that you need more of in 2019 is a real, authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. He is all we need. And so he is first place. By him all things consist, but also uh, uh, he is everything that we need. He is completely sufficient, and so Paul has been hammering these doctrinal truths, and he's been laying this foundation in Colossians chapter 1 and Colossians chapter 2. And then we get to chapter number 3, and Paul kind of changes gears a little bit. Now he's going to talk about the practical ramifications of the doctrinal foundation he just laid. By the way, wherever there is a doctrinal foundation, there will always be a practical ramification. Uh, Wherever there is solid doctrine, there will be some practical implications that follow that. And so Paul says, in light of what we know about how Jesus is uh, first place, in light of what we know about these doctrines, about the sufficiency and the supremacy of Jesus Christ, here's what that looks like uh, on a day-to-day basis. And so uh, this morning, as we are Very quickly approaching 2019 and this new year, I'd like to look to these verses this morning, and I'd like to give us just three principles that I believe can help uh, give us the momentum going into uh, this new year. And so if you're taking notes today, uh, three principles that I believe can, can help us in this new year. Number one, my position should transform my ambition. My position should transform my ambition. Now, in verses 1 through 4 of chapter 3, Paul is going to talk about two things. He's going to talk about our position, and he's going to talk about our ambition. Notice uh, uh, this new position that we have in verse number 1. He says, if you then be risen with Christ. He says you've been uh, risen with Christ. He's talking about this new position that when Jesus died, we died with him spiritually. When Jesus rose again, we rose again with him spiritually. And so he's saying, hey, uh, you have this new position. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have a new position now. You don't have to walk in this uh, old way anymore. Now you've been risen with Christ. This is your position, this resurrected life in 2010-2010. Uh, MTV came out with this show called The Buried Life. Anybody heard of this show, The Buried Life? And it was about these four guys, and they were uh, getting ready to go, and they wanted to do all these crazy things. You only live once, and so they were scratching off all of these things off their bucket list, like let's go skydiving and do all of these uh, crazy things. And so uh, that's what the show uh, was all about, this concept of the buried life. And when we come to Colossians chapter 3, Paul is introducing us to this concept, not uh, that we are called to live a buried life, but that we are called to live a resurrected life, that we have been uh, risen with Christ, that we have this new position and this new spot and this new nature that God has given to us. And this is good news. And really, this is a picture of what baptism is, what we saw last week uh, when we had baptisms, that when Christ died and rose again, we rose again with him. And now we have this resurrected, this this risen life. Galatians 2.20 says this, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He talked about the same thing in Romans chapter 6 in verse number 3 when he says this. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And this is good news today, that that we have been planted together In the likeness of his death, and we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. This is great news today that as followers of Jesus, we have this new position that we have been raised to new life in Christ. This is great news. I remember when I was in uh, junior high, when I was in seventh grade, I wanted to try out for the junior high basketball team. And I was nervous about that. And I went to practice. And I I went to the tryouts. And I was making sure that I was running as hard as I could. We did 20 and 2s and all these suicides. And I was running as fast as I could. And I was trying to follow the rules. And when I was doing a left-hand layup, I wanted to use my left hand. And when I was doing a right-hand layup, I wanted to use my right hand. And I wanted to make sure that I was doing it the right way. And I remember after those tryouts, I was so nervous. I wanted to make sure that I made the team, and our coach posted uh, who made the team on his office door, and we were supposed to go the next day and see on the office door who made the team, and I remember I was nervous, and I went to the coach's door during lunchtime that day, and I looked at that list, and I was reading all the names that were on that list, and finally... I saw the very last name on the list was my name, and I I was very excited because now I had a position on the team, and now I was excited because I had this new position. My name was on the list, and I want to tell you today that as a follower of Jesus, you ought to be excited because your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You have this new position. You don't have to live to the old nature anymore, but you've been risen with Christ. Is anybody thankful today that now you have this new elevated position (laughs) that you can walk in the newness of life? We have this new position as followers of Jesus. And this is what Paul is saying. Hey, this is good news. You have this, this new position. Now, notice we'll skip verse two, we'll come back to it. But notice verse number three. It says this For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ and God. And it's almost paradoxical. And you wonder, what, what are you saying, Paul? How can you be saying that we're dead? And yet we have life. It seems like a contradiction of statements. But really, Paul is saying we are dead unto sin, but alive unto Christ. And this is, this is also good news. For you are dead unto sin, and your life is now hid with Christ in God. Now, this word hid is not so much speaking of secrecy, but rather security. And so he's saying that our life, our position now in Christ, it's hid. It's, it's, it's secured. It's protected. Can I tell you a wonderful truth about your new position in Christ? It is a permanent position. It is hid with Christ in God. It is protected. You are safe and secure in the Father's arms. We have this protected position. John 10 says this. In John 10, 28 and 29, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them to me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of the Father's hands. Hey, once you are in the Father's hands, once you have been risen with Christ, and you have this new position, that is an eternally secure position. Your life is now hid with Christ in God. This is a permanent position because so many people think, Man, I went and I messed up, and I sinned, and I did this, and I wonder, or do I have to get saved again? I want to tell you, that is a permanent position. And we ought to praise Jesus today that our position in Christ is forever. If eternal life ended, it wouldn't be eternal. And so we have this new position. And then Paul says uh, not only about our position, but now he's going to talk about our ambition. Okay, notice verse number one again says this, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Uh, To seek, to to pursue, to be ambitious, to uh, pursue after some things. Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. And so he says, now that we have this new position... That should change the way that we live. That should change the way that we think. We ought to have a new ambition because we've been raised to new life in Christ. Now we ought to not focus so much on the temporary and things of earth. We ought to focus on things that are really going to matter in all of eternity. I believe that our New Year's resolutions for a new year ought to have eternal ramifications. We ought to be thinking, how can I make a difference this year for all of eternity? I don't want to just be thinking about the here and now. I want to think about what's going to matter in heaven forever. So he says, don't just seek the things on earth, but set your affection on things above. Our position should change our ambition. Uh, Philippians 3.20 says, for our conversation, our lifestyle, our citizenship is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he says, hey, our citizenship is in heaven, and so we ought to be thinking about things that are really going to matter in eternity. When I made that basketball team in junior high in the seventh grade, uh, I remember my coach said, I want you to play the shooting guard position I want you to kind of be on the wing and I want you to run down the court and my job was to kind of uh, be on the side and catch the ball and shoot and drive and, and uh, about halfway through the season my coach called me in he said now Matt I want you to I want you to start playing point guard uh, for us and what that means is that you're going to take the ball up the court and uh, I want you to call out some plays and I kind of want you to run the offense and see when I had a new position it changed the way that I thought about the game it changed what I was supposed to do and I want to tell you that now that you have a new position it ought to change the way that you think it ought to change the way that you You view the world. It ought to change the way that you go to work on Monday. It ought to change the way you view how you're going to raise your kids. It ought to affect every area of your life because you have a new position. It should change your ambition. I'm not going to seek the things of earth. I'm going to seek the things of heaven, the things above. I'm going to have a whole new mindset uh, about uh, my life. And so our position should change our ambition. I remember when I was in college, someone called uh, me and asked me if I wanted to teach a uh, junior high bus class and it was this class where where uh, we had buses in our church that went out throughout the city and they would pick up kind of underprivileged children they would bring them in and and on a saturday afternoon we would uh, teach them and teach them about Jesus, and they would get back in the bus, and they would go home. And I remember I didn't really want to do it at first because I'd never done anything like that. It was kind of a big commitment, uh, giving up your Saturday afternoons, and I said, okay, I'll do it. And and I went into that bus class to teach, and I'd never done anything like that before. And I'll tell you, uh, I was in over my head. I did not know what to expect, and I could not keep their attention for longer than like 30 seconds uh, at a time. Things uh, constantly got out of control. Several times uh, there was fights that broke out. One time it went out. Side of the room just to try to get something. I came back in. There was a full-on brawl taking place in the room. The police had to come in. And who's in charge? And I'm like, hey, you know, like uh, it, was, it was out of control. And I remember I kind of just wanted to give up hey, somebody else that's better suited for this, they can come in and teach this class. I can't do this. They won't even listen to me. Uh, But I remember thinking, you know, this is what God wants me to do. And so I kind of dug in a little bit deeper and I said, I'm going to go for this. And I remember what I started to do was on Saturdays before that class, I would go to uh, these kids' homes and I would bring them McDonald's for lunch. And I was trying to bribe them a little bit and be nice to them, and I would give them, hey, those fries are good, right? Are you going to listen to me in class today? Okay, good. We're on the same page, same time, same place next week, you know, and I was trying to invest into them a little bit more, and I remember slowly but surely the kids started to listen a little bit, and I remember some of them prayed and accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, and all of eternity was impacted, and hey, I had to stop thinking about a temporary inconvenience and start thinking about what's going to really matter for these kids in all of eternity. I've got to get outside of myself a little bit because these kids matter, and their soul's matter and God loves them and so I'm going to start setting my affection on things that are above things that are really going to matter in all of eternity Paul's saying hey what do you care about what is really on your mind and on your heart where where is your ambition Augustine said this no one longs for eternal incorruptible and immortal life unless he be weary of this temporal corruptible and mortal life it's not till we come to a place that we say, "Man, I'm so tired of sin and the effects of sin. I just want to start thinking about heaven. I want to start uh, setting the direction of my affection on things above." Romans eight six says, "For to be carly minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace." James talked about this in James four thirteen. He says, "Go to now." Ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away, for ye that ye ought to say, if the Lord will we shall live and do this or that. And so this guy that James uses as this picture, as this illustration, it was a good plan, but it wasn't a heavenly plan. Because he failed to seek God in his plan-making process. See, the plans and the ambitions and the dreams and the goals that we have, they ought to have eternal significance. He emphasizes this even more in verse number four. He says, when Christ, who is our life, and don't you just love that, that he's everything. He, he is our life. He, he makes us come alive He is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. See, he says Jesus is coming back, and we will meet him in the air. And what are we going to be doing when he returns? He was saying we ought to live in light of his second coming. The fact that he is coming back ought to keep us busy and ought to keep us eternally focused. And so our position should change our ambition. Are you with me this morning? Notice number two today. The second principle that we learn is this. We cannot tolerate what God has called us to terminate. We cannot tolerate what God has called us to terminate. Now, in the first four verses, Paul is talking about our position. We've been raised to new life in Christ, and and this is a blessing, this is great news, we have this new life. And uh, now he's going to switch gears a little bit, and he's going to talk about how even though we have a perfect standing before God, our position is safe, it's secure, our position uh, is positionally, we are perfect before God, we are declared righteous, we are justified, but at the same time, we still, uh, we still battle our old, sinful, and fleshly nature. And uh, we still have this old nature that is lingering around and still causes us to sin and to do the things that we shouldn't want to do anymore. And we kind of have this struggle and this tension. And so even though positionally we are perfect, positionally we are secure, positionally we have a home in heaven, nothing can change that. We are still still dealing with this old nature here on this earth. And so Paul is going to talk about how we should handle this old uh, nature, how we should correct this old nature. How many of you are uh, board games people? You like to play board games? okay uh, my mom got my son for Christmas the game mousetrap anybody play mousetrap before okay classic great game and I always wondered growing up why well, my mom never really wanted me to play mousetrap and now I realize as the parent it's because it takes forever to set up right and uh, and then to put it all away and my son he, he loves playing mousetrap right now and another game kind of in the same category is operation anybody play operation before <laughs> And uh, I think we have a picture this morning of the operation board and the whole uh, point of the game operation is you are to get surgical and you are to remove some things that do not belong. Right. There's there's a wrench in the ankle that doesn't belong there. Right. And uh, there's there's butterflies in the stomach. We got to take those away. And so the idea is to remove some things that don't belong. And I want to tell you this morning that for a follower of Jesus, the same is true spiritually, that there are certain things in our lives that Paul is saying they just don't belong. And so we're going to have to remove some things. We're going to have to terminate some things that no longer should reside in a follower of Jesus. And so notice what he says in verse number five. He says, mortify. Now, this is a strong word. This is an intense word. It means literally to put to death. It actually means to make a corpse of something. He's using this strong word. He's saying mortify, kill, terminate, put to death, therefore, your members, which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. He lists these things, and he says put them to death, kill them. Uh, A couple of months ago, I was out uh, with my dad uh, for a couple of days, and he was hunting for for a deer, and uh, we were kind of looking. And we were out in the forest there, and we were kind of just like watching and waiting. And, and uh, all I had was some binoculars. I was just kind of there to tag along. And, and uh, uh, my dad finally saw a deer, and he kind of like looked up, and I, he, things got all intense there for a second. And he was watching this deer, and it was walking by. And uh, out of nowhere, just bang, he shot. And I was like, wow, I didn't even know you were going to be shooting right now. It scared me out to death. <laughs> And, uh, and uh, we didn't know, though, if he had shot it or not because it was kind of in a the distance. There was a hill there, and so uh, we had to walk up to see if he got it. And I remember we were kind of making our way over uh, to that deer, and sure enough, there it was. It was just laying there on the ground, and I walked right up to it, and as soon as I got within a foot of that deer, that deer jumped up at me and started running away. I jumped back. I was so nervous. I was so scared. I'm pretty sure I screamed like a girl a little bit, but uh, that's besides the point. And uh, that, that deer jumped up at me, and it wasn't actually dead. It wasn't actually killed. It was just there playing dead. And, you know, the truth is a lot of times when it comes to our sin, we don't actually kill it. We manage it. We hide it. We cover it up. We tolerate it. But Paul uses a very strong word, mortify it. Don't, don't tolerate what God has called you to terminate. We can't manage what God has called us to mortify. He's, he's saying, don't, don't play with it. The, the, these sins are going are gonna to trip you up. They're going to trap you. They're going to keep you back. They're going to keep you from God's best for you. And so he's saying, hey, uh, be very careful uh, to, to mortify these things. Now, he's going to get specific, and he's going to list some of these sins. And he lists eight different things, okay? Uh, the first list that he mentions, if you have your Bible ready, you want to look on this, on this screen. The first list that he mentioned, these are more um, internal sins, okay? Uh, it says fornication uncleanness, inordinate affection, that just means uh, evil passions, uncontrolled passions, evil concupiscence, that just means evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And so he lists these things, which are uh, primarily, for the most part, uh, internal internal sins. You could be struggling with having wrong thoughts, evil passions, and no one else would know about it, right? You could be struggling with covetousness, and not a lot of people would know about it. These are more internal sins, and Paul's warning us of these sins that take place often on the inside. I was reading recently about a school, the New London School in Texas, in 1938 had this unbelievably massive explosion and it was one of the worst uh, tragic incidents that have that has ever taken place in a public school uh, history and this explosion took place because there was a, a, a natural gas uh, leak uh, in the school but uh, back then there was no odor there was no smell to natural gas and so there was this leak that was taking place and nobody knew of it until it was too late I believe we have a picture today and uh, this massive explosion killing over 290 people in the school just unbelievably tragic and it was after this that Texas legislature said hey we need to add an odor to natural gas so that it'll give a warning if it's leaking so people will know but up until that point uh, natural gas could be leaking and you would have no idea and and these sins that Paul uh, lists here and these sins that he's mentioning he's saying hey you might be struggling with them internally and you have no idea the damage that it's causing you can be really coveting and you can be struggling with wrong thoughts and no one else knows about it and it's it's doing damage to your soul and we're unaware of it and so he's saying, hey, be very careful that you don't tolerate these things, that you don't just let them go by, but that you uh, mortify these things. In fact, notice verse number 6. If you're still with me, would you say amen? amen. He says, for, the, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience. He, he says in verse number 6, I want you to know that God takes sin very seriously. He's saying for those that are unrepentant, for those that continue in these sins without repenting, there is judgment coming. Uh, the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. Verse 7, and in, in the which he also walked in some time when ye lived in them. He said, hey, uh, you used to walk in these things, you used to do these things, but now if you've prayed and accepted Christ and you have this new life, that, that, that doesn't belong there anymore and you shouldn't uh, be a part of that. And so he, he mentions these internal sins, but then he goes on and he mentions these external sins. Notice now verses 8 and 9. He says, but now you also put off all of these. And so when he's saying put off, this is an analogy of, of clothing, of garment. He's saying throw it off like you would some dirty clothes that you've been in all day that you just want to take off. Just put off all these things. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. Now, these sins are more external, talking about getting angry and and lying to one another and and filthy communication. And it's interesting that this next group of sins that Paul mentions uh, mostly have to do with our speech, what we say. And Paul is saying, hey, it's very important the words that come out of your mouth. And you say, well, what's the big deal? And I want to say to you that the Bible says that if you want to set the direction for your life, then guard the communication from your mouth. Be very careful about the words that that you say. Uh, The Bible says this, In James chapter three, verses five and six, even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter, a little fire kindleth, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. It might not seem like a big deal. It might just seem like a little comment here. It might just seem like a little complaint. It might just seem like one one dirty joke or one uh, curse word. It might not seem like that big of a deal, but it's a world of iniquity. James says in James 3, 2, for in many things we offend all. If any man uh, offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, a complete man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Hey, in 2019, if you want direction for your life, then learn to control and harness your mouth, the things that come out of your mouth. If we can learn to just control our tongue and what we say, that'll provide direction for our whole life. And so Paul is hey, put off these things. Put off a spirit of negativity. Put off complaining. Put off filthy language. Put off all of these different things. Hey, we've got we've to put away these things. We cannot tolerate what God has called us to terminate. And we can't think that's not that big of a deal because Paul and James says, hey, it'll set the direction for your whole life. And so he's saying, be careful about these things and put off these things. And that leads us to... A third principle, and I believe this principle perhaps is the key to it, because if, if you're sitting here thinking, okay, I get it, there's some things that we need to put off, and I've tried that, and it's easier said than done. Well, I believe that this third principle can help, help us this morning. Number three, what gets removed must get replaced. What gets removed must get replaced. If you have one more any, would you say amen? amen. Notice now verse number 10. And having put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. And so he says, hey, the first step is we've got to put off some things, this filthy communication, this anger, malice, blasphemy, lying, uh, covetousness, uh, all these different things. We've got to put them off like an old, dirty garment. We don't want to wear that anymore. But then we've got to step into the new. We've got to put on some things. And many times we skip this step, and that's why our spiritual decisions so often don't last. See, we, we say, you know what, okay. You know, after a message or in, a, in devotions or spending time with God, we say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put off anger. I, I know that I need to stop uh, being angry. I, I need to put off uh, these wrong thoughts. I know that I need to put those away. I'm going to stop thinking wrong thoughts. But then we stop there and we fail to replace those thoughts with the mind of Christ. And so now there's a void in our heart. And we end up thinking those same thoughts that we said we wouldn't think anymore because we failed to replace them. See, whatever gets removed must get replaced. What what gets put off, something else needs to be put back on. And so now he's going to say, hey, there are some things that we need to uh, put on. Are you tracking with me this morning? What gets removed must get replaced. Notice verse number 11. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, he's saying religious or irreligious, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and is. In all, And he's saying, hey, it doesn't matter who you are, what background you have. To them, the barbarians uh, uh, were the lowest of lows in society, and the Scythians were, were considered even worse than them. He's saying, it doesn't matter if you're a barbarian, a Scythian, uh, a Greek or Jew. It doesn't matter. Christ is all and in all. By the way, aren't you thankful that the ground is level at the cross, that God is no respecter of persons, that his love permeates all of humanity? And he says, hey, it doesn't matter who you are. If you're a follower of Jesus, there are some things that you should put on. On, okay, uh, notice verse number 12. So he says, put on therefore as the elect of God. Now before we get into this list of things that we ought to put on, I believe it's imperative that that I point out um, a couple of these words because if not, we'll be, we'll be tricked into thinking that this is some sort of legalistic, ritualistic thing in order to please God. But I want you to see this. Notice verse number 12. As the elect of God, holy and beloved. So remember, he's writing to the church at Colossae and he says, hey, Put on, therefore, as the elect. That means chosen. Holy, that means set apart and loved. He says, before we get into this list, I want to make it very clear that you are chosen, you are set apart, and you are loved just the way that you are. And so he says, hey, don't think that this list that I'm about to give you to put on some things, don't think that this is kind of a legalistic thing in order to please God. Don't don't think that you have to do these things in order to be chosen by God. Hey, you're already chosen. You're set apart. You're already loved just the way that you are. This is not by works. This is by grace. He's saying, we've got to make this clear. This is by the grace of God through the power of his spirit. It's not about our flesh. It's not about this rule keeping and list keeping. God loves you just the way that you are. But because of that, because of his grace, that ought to motivate you to righteousness. That ought to motivate you to live this holy life. And so he says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering. Notice the next verses, verse 13. Forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity which is the bond of perfectness. He says, these are some things that we need to put on. Compassion, kindness, meekness, patience, forgiveness, thankfulness, love. We've got to put on these things. Cole, would you come up here for a minute and uh, help me out just for a second? What Paul is saying is, there are things, there are spiritual garments that we've got to just get rid of, right? We can't have them in our wardrobe anymore. And then there's some things that we need to put on. Cole, if you can put on uh, these name tags, just kind of put them all over you, that would be... That would be awesome. There you go. Cole's an angry person, so uh, he's working on that. He's struggling with impurity as well, and he's going to struggle with all these. So, uh, so he's dealing with anger, slander, impurity. and lying okay very good and so we're struggling with these things and so Paul says hey these are some things that don't belong just like that game of operation uh, we've got to get rid of these things and it's like a uh, dealing with sin is a surgical topic because it hurts before it heals and he says we've got to get rid of some of these things and so we've got to get rid of anger and we've got to say Lord would you please fill me with your spirits so that I won't be angry but then we can't just be content to say I'm not going to be angry we've got to replace that anger with the love of Christ to see what gets removed must get replaced, and we can't just say, you know what? I- I'm struggling with impure thoughts, and so I'm going to get rid of these impure thoughts. Okay, and that's it. No, we've got to replace those impure thoughts with the mind of Christ. I mean, we've got to say, we've got to say, Lord, please fill your mind with me, Philippians two. I want to develop the mind of Christ in this matter. I'm going to remove some things, but I'm going to put on some things as well. I'm going to say, Lord, I need your mind in this. I'm going to put off uh, a slander, and I'm going to. I'm not going to talk bad about people, and I'm not going to gossip about people. But I'm going to put on uh, kindness and I'm going to be kind, and I'm going to reflect the love of Christ in my neighborhood, in my community. I'm going to put on these things. I'm, going to, I'm, not going to, I'm not going to lie. There you go. Got a hairy forehead. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to lie to the people that I love and the people that are in my life, and I'm going to replace that, that lying with the truth, and I'm going to put on humility, and I'm going to walk in humility and walk in the Spirit. See, what gets removed must get replaced. You say, how do I do this? In the power of the Holy Spirit. These are not long lists of, of religion and legalistic rules. God's not saying, do this so I can love you. He's saying, do this because I do love you, and, and do this so that you can walk in newness of life in the power of my Spirit. Don't try to do this according to your flesh, but walk in the Spirit so that the Spirit won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Thanks, Cole. You can find a see. Whatever gets removed... Must get replaced. Ephesians 4.22 says that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is the corrupt, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. See, this is the key, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, to be walking in the spirit, not walking in your flesh, but walking according to the spirit. Notice verse number 15 almost done a couple more verses 15 and let the peace of God rule in your hearts I love the word rule in the Greek it means to be an umpire in in the Greek games there would be a judge there would be an umpire and if someone went out of bounds if someone uh, broke the rules they were disqualified and they were they were the umpire and he's saying hey don't let your emotions be the umpire of your life Let the peace of God umpire your life. And when you're walking on the path that God has designed, you will experience the peace that God has delivered. Let the peace of God umpire. Let the peace of God rule in your life. Verse number 16. And then he says, And let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Hey, he's saying you can't do this without the power of God's word. You need to be in God's Word. You need to let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. And I want to encourage you, be back next Sunday. We're going to have some resources for the new year and how you can uh, have a, a Bible reading plan. And we have different you version uh, plans in our small groups that you can uh, join together and be accountable with other believers in reading the Word of God and letting the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now, the last verse this morning, verse number 17. This really sums it all up. You say, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to do with all this. Good news, verse number 17 will provide some clarity. Verse 17, and whatsoever you do, so whatever you do in life, whatever you decide to do, here's what it all boils down to. Do it in word or deed. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Hey, whatever you do, do it in the name of Jesus for his glory. See, a lot of times people say, can I do this? I don't know, should I do this? Can I do that? Hey, if you can do it in the name of Jesus for the glory of God, you're probably safe to do it. He says, whatever you do, do it in the name of Jesus, giving God all the glory. And so this morning, I wanna encourage you. Let's, let's charge into 2019 and let's say, hey, I have this new position. I'm not gonna uh, fulfill the desires of my flesh. I'm gonna have my position change my ambition. I'm gonna seek the things that are above. I'm not gonna tolerate in 2019 what God has called me to terminate. I'm gonna go forward and walk according to the power of the Spirit. That doesn't mean I'm going to be perfect. I know I'm going to fail and I'm going to mess up, but I'm going to get back up again and I'm going to replace whatever gets removed. I'm going to walk according to the power of the Spirit. And this morning, if you've never prayed and trusted Christ as your Savior, that is first and foremost the garment that you need to put on. The last verse that I would like to read this morning is 1 Corinthians 15, 53. For this corruptible, our corruptible bodies must put on incorruption. We've got to put it on. And this mortal must put on immortality. How do we put on immortality? We put on Jesus Christ. We accept the free gift of salvation. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. And today, the greatest way that you can set the trajectory for 2019 is to accept Jesus Christ as your savior and begin a real relationship with him. Hey, just like I started this message, I want to tell you today, Jesus is enough. You say, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know the kind of pain I'm bearing. I know this, Jesus knows, and he is enough. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Thanks again for listening today. If this message was an encouragement to you, let us know. You can email us at hello at rockhill.church and keep up with all the latest news at rockhill.church or on Instagram at rockhillchurch.